Welcome to Empower to Grow, the podcast. I'm your host, Hanan Basha, the business doctor. Following our conversations with empowered women who woke up one day and consciously claimed, I am more than enough. I am worthy. I am empowered to grow. And along their empowering journey towards realizing their own potential and their quest for growth, they became a beacon of hope and guidance for others. May you also find your inner power to grow. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to the Uncharted Discussions episode of Empower to Grow. This is your host, Hanan Al-Baja. Well, I've still got the, the beautiful Laura Doyle with me here today, their relationship expert and the uh, New York Times bestselling author and podcast host of Empowered Wife and a lot of other things. And you're also a relationship uh, coach and you've got an institute, I've got students and, and everything. And it started with you wanting to save your own marriage. That's and exactly right. talking of marriages and talking of relationships generally, and I know that the divorce rates now, I know within the Middle East, divorce rates are over 50%. And I think big chunk of it, when, when I talk to people and, and for me as well, going into marriage, it was that we're not conditioned and programmed to, to transition from, oh, this is fun from a dating, just getting to know each other, just like, you know, a dependent relationship into a partnership for life, which in mm -hmm. essence, that's what a marriage is all about. You mm -hmm. two people consciously coming together and saying, okay, let's spend the rest of our lives together. Let's see how that goes. So yeah. from your experience, is it a transition? Is it, is it like a mindset switch we need to do? Is it a, a re, reprogramming of our own um, subconscious programming about marriages and relationships and everything else? Well, it's interesting you frame, frame it that way, because I think in, when I look back at my marriage, I think a lot of what I did was actually shift from the initial, um, you know, I call it temporary insanity, right? Where you're falling <laughs> in love and you don't notice anything like, yeah. like, oh, bad breath or, oh my gosh, he watches <laughs> ESPN all the time or whatever, right? So, um so from that part, which is, and it's such a delight, right? There's no magic quite like falling in love and yeah. feeling so seen and heard and understood and, and cherished. And, uh, and I think for me, one of the sad things was I kind of dropped a lot of the habits that I had when I was falling in love mm -hmm. and picked up new ones that were not so great for my relationship, mm -hmm. actually. So um, when I first fell for him, I thought he was like one of the smartest people I'd ever met. And he's um, musical, he's really talented, and he's funny, and he's handsome. And, and then a, a few years in, I couldn't see any of that anymore. <laughs> I, uh, familiarity really did breed contempt in my case. And so, and so I had developed this, uh, I had this very bad habit that I think I had before him, which was um, controlling. Uh, I, I was the oldest of four kids. So I had these three little minions. I think that was my early training, right? It's like, yeah. <laughs> they'd ask me questions and I'd tell them what to do. Now we're going to play mm -hmm. store. You go stand over there, whatever. Right. So, yeah. and his early training, he's one of the youngest in his family of five. So his early training was the opposite. He was would ask opposite? questions and they would tell <laughs> him what to do. So, yeah. So I think when we came together, it was like kind of, kind of familiar. So, uh, and so one of the things that became really clear to me, um, when I decided I really did want to relinquish this inappropriate control of my husband was to just 
refer him back to his own thinking about things that I had started taking on where he knew if he didn't consult with me, he might get in trouble later. If he was making a big decision, like, you know, which, uh, you know, like he's going to start a business or if he was going to, um, I don't know, buy a new phone or I don't know, get dressed. Let's face it. Right. Like getting dressed. <laughs> it would be a, something he'd have to consult me on first. Yeah. So, uh, so I developed this uh, little cheat phrase that I started using to remind myself it was kind of the way you teach children to say, please. And thank you. You're trying yeah. to cultivate a great, a grateful heart. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I decided I wanted to cultivate a, a more trusting heart. And I, came up with the phrase, uh, whatever you think, whatever you think. So he would say, um, you know, do you think I should take the car in for breaks this week or next week? And I would say, Oh, whatever you think, like he's handling that for us, you know? And inside I'm thinking that's the breaks, buddy. You don't let those go. (laughs) Right. But I'm I'm like, I hope he doesn't, you know, I hope we don't die in a car crash because there's no (laughs) breaks, but whatever you think. Right. So (laughs) I was choosing my faith each time, um, by saying this. And, um, so one of the things that happened was all of a sudden my husband looked taller because I was like trusting him. I remember some friends even commenting like, what, what happened to John? He looks, he looks taller. They even said that he looks taller. And I think he was just standing more proud yeah, yeah, that, exactly. that he could take care of our family. And one of my students had a great story about this. It was the very first thing she read. She read a book that I'd written in she got a glimpse of her contribution to the mess in her marriage in a way that she hadn't before. And she decided she was going to experiment with this little phrase. Cause what does she have to lose? She'd been, uh, she was in her second marriage. It was, it was in big trouble. They'd been sleeping in separate beds for six months. And her husband said to her, well, I need you to tell me what you want me to do about the cell phone plan. We need to pick a new plan. And she said, Oh, whatever you think. Right. Like just, right straight out of the casually, book yeah She's, yeah casually but she said it just felt like the weirdest thing she was a cfo of a very large private school so that was a really strange thing yeah. for her to say and he thought so too he was like no come on i need you to tell me what i should do here because he didn't want to be in trouble later he knew he was going to get in trouble if he didn't do it right and she just repeated it she said whatever you think i trust you so he went away and took care of the cell phone plan by himself. And she thought, Oh my God, I hope he doesn't screw it up. Well, he did fine. (laughs) Right. He did fine. And then that night he came to her and he said, you were so nice today. And tears just streamed down her face and they slept in the same bed that very night. And she thought, okay, this is, I'm onto something because she'd been going to marriage counseling by herself for uh, months uh, once a week complaining about her husband for an hour a week, which nobody ever got happier that way, right? By complaining about your spouse for an hour a week. So she uh, quit the counseling. She signed up to train with me to become a coach. And she still gets tears in her eyes now because that was 20 years ago. Wow. And she talks about how tragic it would have been had she divorced this man who's the love of her life. And uh, they, she's really, they really, she really turned that marriage around and kind of fixed the whole family. They had a blended family with two they each had two kids and now that whole family uh, just feels like a very loving um, life's work together. Yeah. Right. So kind of what you're talking about. Uh, and so for me, uh, just uh, sort of cultivating, it's really cultivating virtues, right? Cultivating faith and trust yeah, and sure. respect and uh, happiness, gratitude. Uh, but using my marriage as a mirror like, like at the ballet bar, right. To see how my form is, uh, has been invaluable. That's, that's it. And I think as 
exactly what you were touching on. It's the, I trust you. I'm giving you this space. I'm also allowing you to, well, be independent. Because I think a lot of the times is where there's this dependency on, I'm expecting this of you and, you know, I'm not going to do it. You're expected to do it. And then there's the other side of the coin of it. The, the, the flip is, but I'm not telling you what I'm expecting. You know, there's this like invisible expectations that just kind yes. of get us into trouble because yes. then comes the, the lack of communication without like, the lack of the beach, constructive communication thing. rather than the, the, yes. the critical ostracizing of I told you and I told you and you should have and I should have and that kind of thing. Yes, yes. It, so it, is it about that? Is it about that we kind of, sometimes it's about stepping in thinking that you're expected to do it or they're not expected to do it? Yeah, I mean, I certainly think we all have our training from our upbringings our families where we get our first relationship trainings right so good or bad whatever that was our training yeah (laughs) and so um you might learn about expectations or resentment or not learn about expressing your desires in a way that inspires someone else or even the beauty of yin and yang i think was um yeah i know for me uh, a comparative religion student once explained to me that every object has yin and yang yeah. And I loved that. He said, you know, like a coffee cup, uh, the, the, the ceramic part of a coffee cup, right? Like here's yeah. my, my tea cup, actually, mm-hmm. this ceramic part is the yang. That's the part that gives it structure. And then this part where you can put stuff into it, that's the yin, the part that can receive. And if you think mm-hmm. about a coffee cup where you couldn't put anything in and it didn't receive anything, it would have no purpose. No. So I think one of the things that was lost on me was how, valuable my receiving was in our marriage and I honestly wasn't very good at it early on and when I talk about receiving I mean uh, maybe gifts compliments help special treatment apologies so my husband would say gosh you look so beautiful and I go no I haven't washed my hair just look at me (laughs) or he would say um he would you know do you want me to carry that heavy thing for you. And I was like, no, I've got it. Like I'm a well-educated feminist. Yeah, and I can yeah. do, do you this think I can't myself. carry my stuff? Did you think I can't carry yeah, yeah, this? Yeah. yeah. I love the way Connie Schultz talks about it. She says, uh, before she would let her husband make her a cup of coffee, she wanted to be sure that it wouldn't, uh, interfere with her ability to, uh, have her own bank account and own property. Right. <laughs> and of course it doesn't, it doesn't. Right. And even as a metaphor, physically, our bodies are built to receive. Yeah. So really took that to heart and became a student of how to receive graciously. Uh, And so it it might be that um, somebody uh, gives me a compliment that I'm like, like the, you look beautiful thing, right? I'm like, no, my hair's dirty or whatever. Uh, I remember I was at an event where we had been at a dance party the night before. And this woman walked up to me and this other woman, there's was a really good dancer. And she said, <laughs> you two are such good dancers. And I was thinking in my head, like, mm, oh, she's a good dancer. Right. But instead of rejecting that, how does that serve me? Really? Why wouldn't I just take on her view of me as a good dancer? Why would, what would that hurt? So I caught myself in that moment and I just said, oh, thank you. <laughs> instead of telling her what I was actually thinking. And so it creates a little a bubble of intimacy and connection in that moment when you're willing to receive something, even if it doesn't feel authentic to you, 
in some ways, I feel like it benefits me more to adopt her positive viewpoint than my own more negative one. Exactly. I used to think, thinking of them receiving compliments, when I first started embracing my, my curls, like I used to straighten my hair for forever. And about four oh. years ago, I started kind of really embracing the curls and nurturing. They're beautiful. I you. love your curls. Well, thank you. I never said thank you before. And um, this lady at the hairdresser, she, um, I was sitting and doing my nails and she's like, oh my God, I love your curls. I'm like, and it immediately hit me and it's like, oh, um, really? My husband hates my hair curly and stuff, but I'm trying to nurture it and I'm trying to take care of it and stuff. And the lady tried to reaffirm because, you know, she's complimenting. I don't know her. She's complimenting my curls. And I realized that was one of the moments that I realized, hang on a second. Why am I taking this as an excuse that first I'm telling myself that I'm doing something against my husband's will. So he's not really enjoying it. Second, I'm taking away my own work that I put in, my, my own awareness and work that I put in to nurture those curls back because they were completely damaged before. My hair was, was a mess. I actually chopped it off and I had to start all over again kind of thing. And, um, and I actually, and then I had a conversation with my husband. I'm like, you know, I had this and I was telling, and he's like, I don't hate your curls. I just, I don't like frizzy hair that's all over the place. And that is when I don't, I didn't know how to take care of it, but he was actually okay. enjoying how I'm embracing my curls and taking care of them. I'm like, that's, that's a simple thing. That's, you know, it's just about how I look and he compliments. He's like, you know, that, that looks nice. Or today your curls need a wash. <laughs> What do you mean? Oh. Kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. But that's the thing. It's it's about having being able to receive compliments and being able to receive constructive feedback in a way that you do not take it as an attack or as an insult mm. or mm. as an no, no, that shouldn't be the case. You know, you're doing well. And this it really does impact a relationship because it impacts, as you were talking about, intimacy. And, yes. it's, and it's being open with each other. And I think intimate, the, the bottom line for me, I found that the bottom line of, or the lifeline of intimacy is open communication. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, and I like what you're pointing to here too, is like emotional safety, right? Intimacy thrives when there's emotional safety. Yes. And, and for me, um, you know, I had really been trained to use these uh, I statements, right? It's to be kind of open communication, you know, when you do this, I feel whatever. Yeah. And unfortunately, I didn't really understand them, I'm sure, or I still don't maybe understand them because I would use them as a, when you don't take out the trash, I feel abandoned, right? Or, <laughs> or, or, or I take- <laughs> Yeah, exactly. When you don't do something, then I, I feel like you don't care about me, which is not a feeling at all, right? It's not even close to a feeling. It's just me saying I feel and then saying any damn thing I want, but it's critical afterwards, right? So it's not, that was just not helpful. So I feel like in some ways when, um, I mean, I, everybody knows communication is so important in relationships, but so much of the communication training that I see in the world, the conventional wisdom I mean, I tried that and it just got me deeper into a ditch. Yeah. Uh, so I'm really grateful to have a new way now where I would honestly, like one of the things I used to do embarrassingly was I would, uh, I, I call them state of the union addresses where I just sit down <laughs> on the couch, like we got to talk about our relationship, you know? Yeah. And they go we on for talk. I think that's the most scary to talk. We need to talk. I have, 
I haven't said those words in probably 20 years now. And I don't miss saying them, right? Because we don't need to talk about our relationship, except once in a while, if we're going to just gloat and bask in like how happy we are together or something, but there's nothing else to talk about because, um, and we, I mean, we talk about our, our plans and our dreams for the future and, uh, we'll have deep conversations about what feels meaningful and important in our lives, but it's not, we never have to say, you know, when you do this, I blah, 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 because, and this is back to the empowerment aspect, right? It's like, as long as I am cleaning up this side of the street, as long as I'm taking care of Laura, then why would I even need to, I don't, I don't, there's nothing to say if he knows my desires. uh, I'm pretty good at saying how I feel now, but uh, not, but I'm not interested to tell him how he needs to do anything differently. It just wasn't helpful. I love that. And I think you just um, kind of really wrapped it up again. It's, it's going back to the same point. It's about taking care of you, empowering yourself, and being clear to yourself of kind of, you know, the internal self-reflection and self-analysis, not critical, non-critical, or at least not this, um, yes. but in a way that yes. empowers you to understand who you are, what do you want, and accordingly, you know, kind of becoming a better version of yourself, which will resonate to everyone around you, yes, especially your partner, <laughs> because yes. that's, that's, the, that's really um, the impact. And just... Okay, the last point I want to bring up with you, and this is something, you know, that's been going around in the kind of the statements, how before marriage or relationships were framed as like, you know, we come together and we complement one another and we fill each other's gaps and stuff. And um, now there's more of the notion of we're whole. I'm 100%, you're 100%. We've come together to bring our 100% together rather than the 50-50 and let's uh, fill each other's cup. What are your views on that? <laughs> well, I mean, I uh, I really enjoy the yin and yang, like we've been talking about, right? I love that my husband is one of his big goals in life is to make me happy, and um, that's a very yang thing. I've asked thousands of men, how important is it to you that your wife is happy, and they all say the same thing. They say, oh, it's very important, or it's the most important thing. And in the UK, they'd say it's imperative. Right. So <laughs> I love this about the masculine, the, the yang, that this is a high, high priority. And I do, I, I mean, I kind of, I, I am convicted that part of our birthright as women is to be adored, to be cherished, to feel desired. And that's something I care deeply about. Yeah. So I think when I think about a 50, 50 or hundred, a hundred, I, I, I take that paradigm into consideration that, um, you know, I, I guess I'm a hundred, but uh, I wouldn't want to live alone. I really love being loved every day. I love feeling seen and heard and understood. And, uh, and I think it's, it's our birthright. So I want to have that. And I think where I got really tripped up to, um, you know, with the, my feminist viewpoint about things being 50, 50, <laughs> I guess back from that paradigm was, yeah. uh, uh, I think it was Marilyn Monroe that said women who seek equality lack ambition because <laughs> I mean, today, I mean, I'm the one that gets all this special treatment. Like if it's, if it's raining, he'll be like, let me go get the car. Here's my jacket. And I'm like, all right, thank you. You know, uh, where I probably wouldn't have received that so well early on, but now, now I do. Um, and him just like bringing in my tea, just, I, so I love the, um, distinctions between the masculine and the feminine. Same here. And uh, I see that as 
a, a gift, yeah, a, a, a blessing to enjoy. And and the same as you said, and and the same the other way. They also men want to be seen, heard, and loved, and and appreciated. And of opinions. course, and that's of why course. They, and they also need the and, and respect is their main yeah. thing. I want to be desired yeah. and adored, and he yeah. wants to be respected. And that was just a mind blowing <laughs> paradigm shift because I thought I knew what that meant. You know, I think we all think, oh yeah, respect. Okay, I get that. Well, I didn't know what it meant. And most of my students are shocked when they learn a little more about it too on our campus, because I, I thought, I remember even, I would have said like, oh, I respect everything except for the way he drives and the way he dresses and you know, whatever, right? Like I wasn't respectful at all. Or I would say, oh yeah, I tell him where I'm going to be and I don't leave a mess. And so I'm very thoughtful, right? I'm respectful. No, respect for them is that you think they're smart you think they're capable and you uh see you expect the best yeah. from them instead of expecting the worst yeah. and that means uh, there's no need for me to be devil's advocate when he's c- complaining about work or something i don't have to go well have you thought about blah 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 or maybe you should have done da, da, da. it's like that's me undermining his best thinking right versus um maybe just uh bearing witness by just listening and saying yeah. i hear you i don't agree i don't disagree but um, what you say is important to me. Thank you. I love that. I know I can, I can chat with you for hours because I know that every woman I've ever spoken to, including myself, um, we, we've always stopped and um, kind of first thought there was something wrong with us because we can't end up with the, with the right partner. And then you start realizing when, when you really stop and analyze, okay, hang on a second. I am the common denominator in all these relationships. Maybe I need to look inside and see who, who am I? And then accordingly, when I define myself further and I define my desires and my expectations, I'm, I will be attracting my partner into my life. And then, you know, we can have this. And as you said, it's the yin yang and it's the mutual communication, mutual interest, respect, love, understanding. And I think we really need to look inside first, as, as you said, it's just about that. Absolutely. Because that's where the power is. When, when you do that, even hopeless relationships where you think, oh my gosh, how can this ever come back? There's an affair, there's a divorce filed, there's uh, they've been separated. They're having a cold war for 10 years. How can this ever be repaired? But when, uh, especially the wife, the keeper of the relationship um, becomes empowered by looking at herself, her side of the street, we see, to paraphrase Thomas Wolfe, Miracles not only happen, they happen all the time. That's true. Thank you. Thank you, Laura. This has been really, really enriching <laughs> and uh, definitely intriguing on so many levels as well. Yes. Pleasure. It really thank has you, been a Hanan. pleasure. And thank you for, for being on the show. Thank you for, again, for sharing your energy and your knowledge and your wisdom and everything that comes along with it. It's been my pleasure. Thank you for having me. My pleasure as well. Well, I think I'll have to sum it up again and empowered you, empowers others. Look inside of you, become the best version that you could manifest for yourself and um, be that, be at the epicenter or be the epicenter of the positive impact ripple effect and see how your life will transform around you. Thank you for being with us. I wish you love, abundance and prosperity. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Empowered to Grow podcast. For further engagement with a tribe of empowered women, join my Facebook group, Empowered to Grow, 
or visit my website, www.hananelbasha.com. I'll catch you on the next episode. And until then, know that empowered you empowers others. Love, abundance, and prosperity to you all.